Likutei Sichais Chelak Yudzayin Parshas Mitzira Sichabez. We're learning the Lunishmas Rabbi Yisav Binyamin Ben Rav Menashe Kaltman, and our learning is in the Schus of peace and tranquility for all Eden, all over. In the divine instructions in this week's parsha, the sixth Aliyah discusses ritual impurity that is contracted by a Jewish male who has an unusual seminal discharge. The Torah refers to this individual who has become impure as Hazov, the one with a discharge, and details the impurity that the Zov brings to an object or an item he comes in physical contact with, or an individual. Our Sicha centers around the Rashi, on verse 12, Posuk Yudbeis, in chapter 15, Perak Tesvav. The Posuk reads, Ukhli cheres asha yigaboi hazov yishover. An earthen vessel that the one with the discharge touches shall be broken. In other words, it can't be made pure. V'chol kli eitz yishotev b'mayim. And any wooden vessel shall be rinsed in water. Rashi quotes the words the earthenware vessel that the Vzov touches and says, one might think, reading this verse, that the earthenware vessel becomes impure also if it was touched on the outside, on its exterior, but as is stated in the Sifra, also known as the Teres Kayanim, an earthenware vessel is defiled, as discussed previously in Parsha Shmini, only when the interior of the vessel is made impure by contact, ad ezehu magoi so the word touching then is explained as when the entire vessel is involved, which means when it was hesito means actually moved by the zov. What is it in the actual verse in the words yigaboy that he touched that motivates or demands clarification by Rashi according to the Midrashic explanation in Teres Koyenim. Why doesn't Rashi just explain Yigabai by saying simply just touch, even external touch? The reason is because it's impossible to explain Yigabai as actual touch, as in Parsha Shmini, when the Torah speaks of the eight shrotzim, the impure creatures that we may not eat or touch, we're instructed by Rashi in explaining the verse 33, Pasuk Lamed Gimel, in Perak Yod Aleph, chapter 11, that an earthenware vessel becomes unclean only when its inner space is defiled by an, there by an impure creature. So we cannot here in Mitzayrah explain that an earthenware vessel touched by impurity refers to external touch, touching the outside of the vessel. And yet, because there is the particular difference 
because between the impurity of a sheretz, an unholy or defiled creature, and the impurity of a zov, the impurity of a sheretz is a tumakulkala, it's a lighter tumma. The impurity of a zov is a tumakhamura, a stronger impurity. And so while the impurity of an unclean creature, a sheretz, can only infect, affect an earthenware vessel if it's in contact with its interior, the impurity of a zov imposes impurity even on what makes it more intense, even on bedding that the zov lies on, like a couch, or an object the zov sits on, that which he is mishkov, lies on, or meshav, sits on. So it's possible then that the earthenware vessel that comes in physical contact with a zov too would even on its external surface become impure. And to avoid this type of thinking, how these two levels of impurity are different, and so maybe a zov touching a vessel on the outside, just touching will make it impure, particularly as one might think this way, because it actually suits the literal words in the Pasuk. Rashi quotes not only the words yigaboy, he touches it, for he's explaining more than that, he also quotes the words that highlight the distinction ukli cheres asher hazov. It's an earthenware vessel, but this is the zov that yigaboy that touches it. And so Rashi says one might think that the vessel is defiled, even if touched externally, because this isn't the sheretz, it's the zov. And Rashi points to the continuation of Teiras Koyanim saying, V'chulu, Kedi'isa B'Teiras Koyanim, etc., as it's written in Teiras Koyanim, where, in fact, what Rashi does not quote says, V'dinhu, one might conjecture, U'ma'im meis ha'chomor lo'itima klicheres ma'chayrev, a dead body is an even more intense impurity than a zov, and a dead body cannot make a klicheres, an earthenware vessel, via touch, contact, on its exterior impure. So a zov, which is a lighter, hazov hakal, says the Teres Kayanim, a lighter level of impurity, can't have the condition that it affects an earthenware vessel on its exterior. But the Teres Kayanim then says, but no, in fact, a dead corpse does not impart impurity through sitting or lying on something. So maybe a Zav is a stronger impurity, and then one might think that the Zav can cause the earthenware vessel to become impure, touching it on the outside. So the words yigaboi, touching it, which in fact have a counterpoint in a verse in Parshas Tzav, where the Torah speaks of breaking an earthenware vessel in which one cooks a sin offering, the, verse, the words in verse 21 in Pasuk Chafalif, chapter 6, parag Vav, are Asher Tevushal Boi, again, point to the interior of the vessel only regarding an earthenware vessel. 
The question that arises here, though, is that if touching an earthenware vessel on its exterior can never impose impurity, then what does yigaboy touch it mean? And so Rashi provides us with the explanation of Teres Koyanim, which concludes with, it is touch that is that causes he setoi. It causes movement. What we then want to understand is why if Rashi wanted to introduce us to this teaching of the Teres Koyanim about this form of acquiring impurity from movement by something impure, why, when, why then does Rashi not quote the Teres Koyanim in its entirety, including the proof that touch, Yigabai, can't be just touched for the logical reasons discussed. If Rashi is relying on the student to reference the source in Teres Koyanim on his own, then no part of Teres Koyanim need have been quoted, and Rashi could have concluded his explanation by saying, and this is as explained in Teres Koyanim. Why half-quote Teres Koyanim? Perhaps one can suggest that Rashi needed to quote the end of the Teres Koyanim, introducing us to this new possible way of contracting impurity through heset, through movement, because this is how we understand what yigabai means. It means moving the vessel. So what comes before that, one can investigate on one's own as it's only relevant to how the conclusion was drawn. What's difficult with this response, however, is that as said many, many times, Rashi teaches in the clearest way possible so that even the Ben Chomesh Lamikra, the five-year-old Torah scholar, can understand the literal intention of the verse. In this case, we might have made the error of thinking the Yigabai could also mean the vessel's exterior. So Rashi needed to be clear in explaining that it was not that, and what leads us to understanding it differently, and not suffice with just mentioning the source, particularly as Tereskainim teaches this lesson as a Xeras Shava, a counterpoint to another source in Tera, and not as a clear explanation on the actual verse. We must then say that Rashi's explanation the literal understanding of the verse is found in that which he highlights in Teres Koyanim and not the discussion in Teres Koyanim of the counterpoint verses. Rashi says, as it's written in Teres Koyanim, and one can choose to look further in Teres Koyanim for clarification, but the answer is in what Rashi actually quotes from the Teres Koyanim. It would seem that one would want to suggest that is that the lesson that the impurity of a dead body is a very intense impurity, and yet an earthenware vessel of touching on the outside does not become impure. We know this for what is learned later in Parsha's Chukas, which then tells us that a less intense impurity like the Zov definitely does not impose impurity on the outside of an earthenware vessel. 
And this is what Rashi wants us to understand, pointing out the source in Teres Koenim. Not to the counterpoint in the other verse in Tzav, but rather to this idea in juxtaposing the impurity of a corpse to the impurity of a zuv. The corpse doesn't impose impurity on the external part of an earthenware vessel. Certainly the zuv, a lesser impurity, does not. And the juxtaposition exists clearly in the verses. But the issue is that in Teres Kainim, in bringing the lesson of Mishkav and Meshav, in that lying and the sitting of a zuv, and as it impacts impurity, or um, imposes impurity on that which the Zav lay or sat on, that unlike the corpse, which does not impose impurity in Mishkav and Moshev, and, and the Zav, as we said, does, and yet the Teres Kainim in telling us this actually puts the two impurities on some equal footing, indicating that both have some halachic stringencies, an impact that the other does not. So if regarding impurity, these two, the impurity of a corpse and the impurity of a zuv, have equal intensity, then they will have equal halachic impact and both do not cause or impose impurity on the external part of an earthenware vessel. And the purpose of quoting the Teres Kayanim, of using the Medrash, to explain this, and not first quoting the verse, not just quoting the verse in Chukas, is that Rashi would need to present a lengthy and more complex explanation to explain this. And also, even after elaborating, there's no guarantee that the five-year-old scholar would understand correctly, whereas Teres gives a clear and detailed clarification and reference. This really isn't the smoothest, however, of reasonings. Why doesn't Rashi just explain this? And also, there's no imposing of impurity by a corpse by causing something to move, heset. So if we can say that Asher Yigabai will touch it, is about this new concept and impurities being presented, that the Zav imposes impurity by movement, Unlike a corpse, why can't Rashi just say that the chiddush in the words yigabai is that the zav defiles the earthenware vessel on the outside, unlike the corpse that does not? An explanation that fits right in with the literal meaning of the words and yigabai becomes clear. Perhaps we can say that Rashi's proof is from what comes at the end of the verse. A wooden utensil must be rinsed in water. The Cholkli eats his shatev b'mayim. If Yigaboy intends to teach the idea of heset, movement, then Cholkli eats, the Cholkli eats too, would be impacted by impurity, by Yigaboy as heset, movement. But if Yigaboy touching it were to mean actual touch, even externally, and the verse is teaching us that an earthenware vessel is made impure by external touch, 
we would wonder what then is the chidush in saying this regarding the wooden vessel, that the cleates is impacted by impurity on the outside of the vessel is not in fact a novel idea. This too, however, would be a cumbersome explanation for the way Rashi explains the verse, because if indeed kol cleates were the basis of proof for hesed, then Rashi would have incorporated this part of the verse in quoting from the Pasuk as the Dibor Hamaschil, or at the very least, Rashi would have added a Vegoimer, incorporating it into the explanation. And Rashi doesn't, which tells us that he does not consider Yigaboy as proof of the intention of Heset movement, or as we noted earlier, that the proof Rashi does bring is better proof. Or rather, Rashi does not consider the latter part of the Pasuk as proof of the intention of Hesed. Let's understand this by unpacking a surprising issue. If we go one verse back to Pasuk Yudala, verse 11 in this chapter, we read the following. Whatever or whoever the Zav touches, if he, the Zav, has not yet rinsed his hands in water, then he, that who was touched, he who was touched, should wash his clothes and himself in water, and he's in an impure state until that evening. What exactly is this verse teaching us? Just a few verses earlier, in Posuk Zion, verse 7, we learned that one who touches the body of the Zav should wash his garments and wash himself and is defiled until the evening. Seemingly the same exact thing. The law, Rashi then explains, is that as long as the Zav did not immerse himself, even if his discharge has ceased and he counts the seven days to purity, but he has not yet Immersed in a mikvah, he continues to impose impurity. This can actually be deduced and understood from the earlier discussion regarding a new mother who has given birth, a Yeledis, in the earlier Parshan, Parshas Tazria, who must immerse before her purity is complete. More significant yet, the Torah doesn't need to repeat the entire verse just the words, and he had not yet rinsed his hands, would suffice in the earlier verse in Pasuk Zion, the one that says, that one who touches the flesh of a Zav. There the Pasuk could have inserted the words, in fact, the question is discussed in the Gemara in the tractate of Nida. And the Gemara posits that when the verse states, the Cholashar Yigabahazov, whomever the Zov touches, the intention is Heset, movement, rather than touch. But Rashi explains that verse as the Tereskainim explains it, that Yiga as Heset is only in our verse, in Posokid Beis. So the original question as to why the verse brings this seemingly repetitious teaching, whichever or whatever the Zav touches, Rashi doesn't address at all. In fact, the answer to this is that there really is no question. The Torah does 
for purpose of one novel detail that is being newly introduced, repeat even an entire verse, even an entire portion may be repeated for the purpose of the one new chidush. And we see this immediately in the book of Bracious in Genesis, when the Torah reviews the events of the creation of Adam and Eve just to add detail that occurs with them. So Pasuk Yeralef, which adds the concept of Yodav Loi Shatav Bamayim, that the Zov had not yet concluded or rinsed his hands, concluded, in other words, concluded his immersion, teaches that this immersion is for the revealed parts of the body of the Zov, like his hands. The concealed parts of the body don't require immersion. But then we come to the Rashi in our verse, which too is challenged with the question then, what is new here? Because it's not just repetition, and the information that a vessel is rendered impure by a Zov can be understood and extrapolated from the former verse in law of how one becomes impure through a Zov even Bemishkov and Meshav, what he sat on or lay on. And so Rashi has to begin with forewarning that in looking for the Chidush, one might think that the Chidush in this repetition is that the Zav can defile even the external part of a vessel. And the reasons one might think so, as discussed earlier, and the repetition at the end of the verse that a wooden vessel requires rinsing doesn't actually have to slot into the Chiddush. It can just be repetition for the sake of the Chiddush regarding earthenware vessels. Thus, when Rashi, then when Rashi says, and as it's taught in Teres Rashi is continuing to tell us why we might come to this thought that the Yigaboy, touching it, the, the Zav touching the earthenware vessel, we might think, is about the outside of the vessel. Because indeed, in the Teres we learn that because of the intensity of the impurity of a Zav, there is space for the understanding that a Zav imposes impurity, defiles an earthenware vessel externally, even though the intensity of the impurity of a corpse does not. In other words, Rashi points us to the Teres to strengthen his opening words that one might think, and there is actually space to think, that even touching an earthenware vessel on the outside will render it impure. But it's the conclusion of the Teres that Rashi quotes that teaches us that the lesson here is not about possibly defiling the external part of the vessel, but about hesite, about or hesete, about moving the vessel. Looking more intently at this, we see that aside for the seeming repetition of the verse in its entirety, the particular words and the earthenware vessel that the verse opens with are strikingly redundant. Our verse follows on to a verse, as we said, that begins with the words, the chol asher hazov, anything the zov teaches. So technically, our verse pasukut beis verse twelve could have read uklei cheres yishaber. We're going on from everything that the zov touches, and now we're focusing on 
the earthenware vessels should be broken without the words asher yigaboy hazov because we really just opened with that it's clear what we are discussing and it's for this reason that what is being taught in this verse is linked to and lies in the words yigaboy touch it this indicates a different experience of touch this is about the boy touching it differently in a way in which the entire vessel is impacted by this touch not just the interior nor just the exterior it's about the encompassing of the entire vessel and that's movement any other idea here like the possibility of this being about just the outside of the earthenware vessel would be drawn from the words klicheres or just by but not those two words yigaboy touching it together a lesson in one's personal divine service can be found in the foundation of what klicheres is organically made of earth It's a reference to men whose foundation yesoidai is dust or earth may offer. As the verses in Genesis tell us God formed man from the dust of the earth. It's regarding this composition of man that we are taught that an earthenware vessel does not become defiled on the outside. The outside stuff of this world attaches to the body but does not defile the vessel that is the Jew since this is how god created man a body requiring food and drink and other physical necessities to survive and one even derives pleasure from these things and one's service isn't about breaking the body rather as the balshemtov teaches azayv tazayv imay helping the body to become a vessel for godliness and a dwelling place for the divine man cannot be faulted for the things that attach to his externality even if ultimately he needs to cleanse himself of these as the alter rebbe discusses in tanya as long as man perceives himself as an earthenware vessel a klecheres and remains humble and does not perceive himself as a kleates that his existence is somehow in his own eyes a growing entity or as a metal vessel unmalleable and hard in his perception of self as something of significance because in these two latter perceptions of self he certainly becomes defiled by the physical world as it affects his outside hence rashi says one might think that this intense impurity of azov can defile a Jew god forbid though ziva is an abnormal omission and a sign of illness unlike blood which is a natural omission not even the outside of a Jew is defiled by this in the framework of man's work on himself dam nida the blood of a nida omission is the ra the negative that exists within the nature of a Jew kiyetzer lev ha'adam ra min urav man's desire and will is negative from its youth dam ziva a ziva emission is the stimulation of that organic and natural motivation of the negative yetzer it is as the chinuch teaches what is stimulated within man when he indulges 
in excesses beyond physical natural needs. One might then think that this definitely defiles the klicheris, the earthenware body of men. This is a slide into an intenser level of negativity and no longer about man's natural needs, to which the Tereskayanim and Rashi explain that this is not the case. If the entire vessel is moved, it can be defiled. But not even a Zov can defile the essence of a Jew, as the Rambam determines that even a Jew who has to be forced in certain circumstances to do a mitzvah, it's in fact only his outer layer of existence that needs, that requires, that needs forcing. Internally, he wants to be connected to his people and to do all the mitzvahs. But forcing him helps him to discard that dust that covers and conceals his true and innate desire. Divine truth emerges and is revealed. And he can say, this is my desire too. I want to be of the body of my people and to fulfill all the mitzvahs.